0: two guys of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and ja on Score North and scorenorth.com. Um, when he's getting a mistake, uh, he's really hammering it, hitting the ball hard, really to all fields. Um, he's a very confident hitter right now, as he should be. And again, we have seen this type of Jorge Polanco uh, before. This is something that this isn't the first time we've seen this. Um, but again, he's really finding himself uh, and there are times where, um, you know, his his production is, is carrying us in a lot of different ways. And this is one of those times.
1: Rocco Baldelli talking about Jorge Polanco. It is talking twins, not Zolga Depew, Goff Depew, Pavano Butera, as I dubbed it last week. We will be using that until it's uh, completely old or there's some other great pitching and catching battery mate that we can reference. Uh, but yeah. Jake DePue, Declan Goff here for Talking Twins. Uh, Jake, let's start off with this one. Actually, a decent amount to cover. The Twins did take three out of four from a good Astros team. Um, but let's let's start with Jorge Polanco there because Rocco was touching on it too. He had a kind of came back down to earth hard. Even I think even the second half of 2019 and into 2020. I mean, he was a good player in 2019. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't the same player he was when he was the All Star. And in 2020, he battled some injuries, wasn't that guy, off to a slow start through June this year. But over the last 54 games for Jorge Polanco, he is slashing 309, 360, 564, 15 home runs, drawing some walks, 923 OPS, hitting for a little bit of power. And as Rocco said, looking more and more like the guy that was there in 2019. And in your notes, the guy that was a very underrated and capable shortstop from 2017 to 2019. So even in this lost season, I mean, even though I I know Buxton's been injured, but when he was on the field, he was the MVP. I think you could probably make the serious case that even in in this bad year for the Twins, Jorge Polanco might be the team MVP.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think with the amount of time that Buxton has missed at this point, uh, I think Jorge Polanco is the team MVP. And, you know, I think it's interesting with Polanco, you know, we Barely talk about him, like over the last mm-hmm. two years, we barely talk about him, and I think that 's actually a huge compliment to him it, it speaks to how steady he has been since yeah. you know he came up in two thousand and sixteen like he 's just a very consistent, steady uh presence on the twins and he plays through injuries he plays every day that 's something that very few twins position players can uh, can really claim you know so like to me, he was actually the mVP of that two thousand and nineteen team I mean I know he did like you like you said he um mm-hmm he tailed off a little in the second half, but like he was, he started like, I think like 150 games that year. I mean, he started at shortstop and for the American league in the all-star game. um, And, and was just a a very solid player. And that's what he's been. He's been a very solid player. He never complains. Uh, He, again, he played through the ankle stuff last year and that was clearly affecting him. And I think that um, went into this year as well. And now he's, it seems like at least he's fully healthy uh, and just absolutely raking. Um, It's, it's a guy that we don't talk about enough. I don't think he gets the praise he deserves. He has the defensive uh, versatility. You know, I know he's he's probably a below average defensive shortstop, but he can play there. Uh, he has played there for full seasons. He's uh, very good at second base, uh, and it's probably along with Buxton. At least when Buxton was healthy, is probably the biggest bright spot for this. Obviously, vastly under performing team so if you if you combine all that with the fact that he's on a very team-friendly contract you could argue that polanco provides more value to the twins than maybe any other player on their roster so uh it's good to see him healthy and hitting again because we know what he's capable of doing when he is healthy
1: yeah i mean you bring up a good point in 2019 i mean the guy did uh finish 13th in mvp votes that season and yeah started the all-star game i think people a lot forget about that point as well and he does get under the radar i mean mm-hmm. just- since 2017, he's been basically a 270 hitter. He's played in almost every game. And, you know, I know the injuries uh, kind of caught up to him towards some 2020, and that's why his production dipped. And I believe it was, was it Mike Petrel or I forget it wasn't MLB.com, but th- they pointed out this is why we use OPS Plus. So OPS Plus for Jorge Polanco, I'll try to get really geeky here with you, Jake. You're better at explaining this stuff than I am. But OPS Plus this year was 127. And I believe 100 is like an average player, correct? So if you are correct. 127, you are outperforming. Um, that projection by an average player. And last year's OPS, he dipped to 83. So he was a below average offensive player in 2020. But in 2019, 122. In 2021, 127. And now you can see that, yeah, this is why we have to also use this adjusted uh, statistic, because it does show that he's basically playing at that MVP level he was, even with those first two months when he was essentially a a pretty much replacement level player up until June of this year.
0: Yeah. So, so if you have an OPS plus of say one twenty five, that means that you're, that you offensively are 25% better than league average. I'm 99% sure that's what that means. If it, if it isn't, you guys can rip me in the comments, but um, (laughs) he, yeah, he's consistently had an OPS plus well above a hundred. And when you combine that with, his defense, again, I know he's below average defensively at short, but just the fact that he can play there and be adequate over a full season, uh, and, and this year, obviously, he's, he's playing in second, but he is, you know, a, a, I think a top 20 to top 30, you know, type of MVP caliber player, Like like you said, mm-hmm. like he really, it's just that we never talk about him because he's so steady and so consistent. Uh so yeah, I mean again on that 2019 team, I believe he led the, the team in played appearances, uh hit hit a ton of home runs as everybody did that year, of course, but uh you know, performed well in the playoffs, hit a home run in game one at Yankee Stadium. Like um yeah. he was very good, even going back to 2017, his first full year in the league. I mean, he hit a he hit a home run uh in that wild card game, I believe. Um actually that might have been Rosario who hit that home run. But but Polanco was very good that year as well. Uh, so yeah, you know, he, he had the ankle stuff, like he was sort of, you could, you could tell, especially when he was swinging left-handed that he would kind of do that like little spin, uh, when he would swing and miss and, and it was clear that his, his ankle wasn't right. And that seems to be gone now. Uh, he's hitting more, uh, how he's consistently hit from the right side, which is for, for average end power. So a very good player and considering the contract, I would say he's probably mm. unmovable, you know, like I, I, I don't see any sort of return, you know, obviously you could, get ridiculous and start drawing out names like Mike Trump, but like, basically it, it would take a, a huge haul to, to move Polanco. So like when you go into, into 2022 and think about like, who's definitely going to be on this roster, I think you basically start with guys like Jorge Polanco.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned his contract next year. He's only under the books for 5.5 million. That jumps up to 7.5 in 2023. And then the final two years in 2024, 2025, there is a vesting option in 24, uh, and that option vests if he re- reaches five hundred fifty plate appearances in the two thousand twenty three season and his salary increases if he gets all star votes silver slugger, gold gloves I mean, I don't know who worked this contract, but like unreal work to like put in all these crazy escalators if they can happen and if he plays like this like they they will probably happen um but you you bring up a good point too with him now moving to second base, and he's a fine second base, and you know i i I think second base is probably like. I won't. I don't want to call it the least important defensive position in baseball, but it it's not going to impact a game like shortstop, center field, third base. You know, it it's it's kind of you can put not a butcher there, but you can put someone there and they can be fine. And, and Jorge Polanco, an okay shortstop, now looks like a decent second baseman. But what what is the Twins' long term plan at shortstop? Uh, you know they brought in Andrelton Simmons as as this you know great little stopgap. Hey, great a defensive wizard on a very supplemental ball club that he doesn't have to be an offensive guy. Just go out there play 160 games and help us win another division, get to a playoff run, and beat Andrelton Simmons. Um, and now I, I have no idea what what the hell they want to do here. Royce Lewis is obviously injured. They just sent down Nick Gordon, which I'm sure you're pro- we're probably about to get into. But uh, who who do you think, as it stands right now? Is opening day starting shortstop for the Twins in 2022?
0: If I had to bet on it, I would say he's not on the current roster Roster. in the organization. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's more likely they sign somebody like Trevor Story or Javi Baez. I mean, they'd have to pay a lot of money for those types of players. But I just don't see anybody in the organization um, that can play a a solid shortstop defensively. Like, if you look at Austin Martin and Royce Lewis, both of those guys have—and Nick Gordon— all of those guys have defensive uh, flexibility and that's a huge asset for them. But I don't think at least based on how evaluators look at them, I don't think any of them can necessarily stick as an everyday defensive shortstop. Maybe Royce Lewis is the best candidate of the three, uh, but you know, he's, he played some center field in like the Arizona fall league. And I, I, I would guess the twins see him more as kind of a super utility type. So I'm not sure again, defensively that that guy is out there. I know Austin Martin there's questions about his arm uh, with Nick Gordon. There's you know questions about I think his arm and his glove uh, at, at shortstop, and also just you know will he have the bat to, to stick as an everyday player in the big leagues? So yeah, it's hard for me to 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 look at the organization and see anybody who can play there every day. I mean, I think if it is if you are going to go with an internal option, it would have to be Jorge Polanco. So mm-hmm. so yeah, I think they're gonna. I think that's a position of priority for the team, and I think but they'll have to sign somebody. The The problem is if you're going to spend a ton of money signing a shortstop, then where, you know, are you going to have enough money left over to sign starting pitching? You know, cause they're going to have to sign at least some veterans starting pitching. And I know they probably won't shell out for a, a Max Scherzer or somebody like that, uh, but you're, you're going to have to make some, some free agent additions there. So like if they break the bank for a Javi Baez, uh, where does that leave the rotation? So, it it'll be an it's an interesting sort of dilemma for them. Maybe they feel like one of those three I mentioned or somebody else can play every day at shortstop. But uh, yeah, I think they'll have to sign somebody. Otherwise, it's probably Polanco back at short, which is not ideal because as good of a player he, as he is, and he's a very good player, I, I don't think defensively he's an everyday shortstop. I, I think he's he's pretty below average defensively there.
1: Yeah, it is a uh, surplus of shortstops in the free agent market this year. The Marcus Simeon. I will be a free agent, Trevor Story, Corey Seager, Brandon Crawford, Carlos Correa, Javi Baez, Correa probably being the one who gets, you know, the biggest contract maybe in all of that free agent class uh, this winter. Um, and, you know, there's other guys, you know, Jose Iglesias is someone, Joey Mercer is another player. Like there are supplemental guys you can maybe plug and play. Um, and I believe when, before they signed Simmons, and this was Ken Rosenthal, I believe we threw this out in the athletic uh, and was just, was hungry for reckless speculation and kind of kicked around the idea of the twins, maybe trading for Story or Francisco Lindor. Um, this was at the beginning of of the of last winter, uh, and he kind of he made it the case of well, if there's only going to have one year left in his contract, Royce Lewis is still a year away. This was also before I believe Royce even tore his ACL. Um, it does make some sense for the Twins to have have interest in it. If if they were to sign Trevor Story or Corey Seager, and I, or I, and if one of these guys also, I think the more likelihood that that they remain unsigned the more likelihood that they'll sign, obviously like a one year, two year prove it deal. Like we've been seeing a lot more baseball players do. Does it, does it change your mind about 2022 if they actually do get one of these bigger name shortstops or, or does it just all still come back to the, how the hell are you going to pitch?
0: It, it would change my mind to, to some extent of course, because if you add any impact player like, like a Seager uh, or a Javi Baez, that's that of course is going to improve your, your, your chances. And I think, I think the reason that it would probably influence my thinking for 2022 is that if they signed a guy like that, that would tell me that they are more in sort of the retool as opposed to rebuild mold, because I don't think you sign a Seager or a Baez unless you're looking to, to win. So I would mm-hmm. expect if they did sign somebody like that, that they would add at least some pitching. Again, it's going to come down to payroll and, and how much money would be left. But as I look at 2022 right now, you know, if you just signed one of those guys and didn't really improve the pitching much at all, I, I don't see a way that you can win that division. I don't see any way that you can overtake the White Sox um, mm-hmm. w- with the current pitching. There are a lot of good prospects, but but a lot of those guys either haven't surfaced in the big leagues yet or are just starting to surface. I, I just think they're they're really far away in, in terms of starting pitching and, and the bullpen, as we've seen this year and that they're going to have to make big improvements there in the offseason if they're going to compete in 2022. I, I think they're probably looking at... They would never admit this, and I could be totally wrong, but I think they're probably looking at this more as 2023 is the year right. that the window opens back up when some of these prospects start to get experience and get some big league innings under them.
1: Uh, so so we didn't really touch on this. We touched on it very, very briefly, but w- what is the team's overall plan for Nick Gordon long-term? <laughs> like, that? Th- does does he does he even remain on on the 40 man going into next year like what 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 is the team I don't really get it he was a fourth overall pick um his brother he obviously profiles to be just like his brother was he's not going to hit for power he's an he's a he hits for a good amount of average he can play versatile defense um a good top of the lineup or even number not solid nine hitter on a deep team but I don't really understand what their plan is here with him and and again He's he's a contact guy. He's not someone who's really like into launch angle. He's not going to put the ball out of the ballpark. So I I do kind of feel for him a little bit there. But I it just seems like they're ready to bail on him. It, 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 I'm getting the sense they're ready to bail on this pick.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's I, I don't understand how the way that they've handled Nick Gordon. I, I don't understand why he's in the minor leagues. I know a lot of Twins Twitter disagrees with me based on some of the tweets I've been seeing, and, and that's totally fine. But like to me, I look at Nick Gordon. You know, he's out of options. I'm 99% sure he's out of options after this year because 2020 was a weird, obviously a weird year with COVID. They optioned him. I know that he had some medical issues, but I'm pretty sure that counted as an option year. Uh, And according to fan graphs, he is out of options after this year. So assuming that's the case, they can't send him down next year. So he either has to be on the, on the big league roster the whole year, or he'd be exposed to, to waivers. So like, with that in mind, why would you not want him to get as many at bats as possible in this lost season? Like the, he could play sh- so like he got sent down. And he played three games at shortstop and one game in center field for the Saints over the over the weekend. Why is he not playing those positions in the big leagues? Like I, you know, Andrelton Simmons, he, as great a defensive player as he is, and he's good for a young pitching staff and all of that. But like we've talked about, how Andrelton Simmons just doesn't have much value on a losing team. And yet they continue to play him every day. Like I I just, wins and losses are, are, they don't mean anything for the rest of the season. So why not plug in Nick Gordon and see what he can do? If you're, if you're going to keep him on the 40 man and and play him at short and center field in St. Paul, just do that at the, at the big league level. And let's see what he can do. If he fails, then you, okay. You have more information to evaluate him and and decide whether you want to use a 40 man spot on him next year. But like, again, given the fact that he's out of options next year, like this is it, like this is your last chance to really evaluate him in kind of a, a lower pressure situation. So I, I just, I don't understand that move. I I really don't like, I, I get that there are a lot of concerns about him and, and maybe he can't stick, but like, this is your chance. This is your chance to, to, to really figure that out. And like, he's played a bunch of AAA, you know, like yeah. he was in AAA, I believe as far back as 2018. So like, what what more does he have to to show you at triple a like i just they said he was, they were going to move him all around the diamond you know play him uh all around the infield and, and outfield but like y- you can do that at the major league level you know it's like what you can send down williams astadio you can send down jake cave both of those guys have options like it, it, you know it, it's not like i, I get why they want to see ref snyder because he's been so good you know he's obviously he's a 30 year old journeyman so like but like I know that he's made swing tweaks and all that, and he's put up really good numbers. So I get that they want to get a longer look at him. So I'm not saying uh, put Nick Gordon on the roster in place of Ruff Snyder, but guys like Astadio and Cave, I, I think you could send down easily, you know, to to give Gordon a chance. So, like the whole handling of him this year has been weird to me. Like he was up for a long time and barely played, you know, yeah. in like May and June. Um, what good does that do for his development? You know, like I like just play the guy every day for these last six weeks or whatever and see what his numbers look like at the end of the year and see where, you know, where he's at defensively. To me, he looked pretty good in center field uh, in his time out there. So, like, that, that just doesn't make sense to me. But, you know, I was texting with or tweeting with um, Doogie about it, and Doogie basically said uh, in a tweet, so I, I don't, I feel comfortable sharing yeah. this, um, he basically said it, it was clear to him that that Gordon wasn't a part of the Twins' long-term plan. So if that's the case, uh, you know, maybe they DFA him in, in the offseason uh but then like why even still go through all of this like why not just DFA him now if you know he's not a part of your future so i i just don't i guess i don't understand it at all i think he mm-hmm. he should be up and 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 playing and ref snyder can still get a batch to see if this new swing is legit like that can still happen but williams has to do and jake cave I, I don't think need to be up and 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 playing one of those guys can be optioned out to give a young prospect like gordon a, a, a shot
1: yeah Nick Gordon, by the way will be twenty sixth in October, yeah, so not that um, young not a young guy and yeah. even he has racked up seven hundred and seventy plate appearances at triple a seven hundred and fifty nine appearances at double a i mean has been a was a two eighty five hitter at double a two fifty at triple a um but basically the guy is like there, there there's no point for him to be in the minor leagues like it, especially it's someone who has a fourth overall pick. And, you know, revisionist history with major league drafts kind of always upsets me because it's like it's just it's the biggest crapshoot draft there is. You know, I know Aaron Nola, I think, went like two picks after him and Trey Turner was in that first round, Michael Conforto. So like th- there were good players, obviously, like that that always exists. Twenty three teams passed on Mike Trout, for God's sake. So um, I don't like to get too much in like the revisionist history of that part, but it just seems like they're burying him and a guy who was never like a top 10 in major league baseball prospect, but a guy who was in the consensus 50 to hundred best prospects in the game from 2016 to 2018. I just think it's a mistake to just play. I'm with you that it just, it doesn't make any sense that Jake cave and Williams, Osadio deal. And like at this point, Andrelton Simmons. Like I would, I would right. even DFA Andrelton Simmons. Right. I, I, I Judd was saying that in June, like just sit him. I kind of understood why they weren't sitting him at that time. But at this point, you're 16 games, 15 games under 500. It's August 10th you have six weeks left in the baseball season or so play Nick Gordon. And if, and if he hits and if he hits two twenty over the next six weeks, okay. Like then I kind of understand it. I still think I would like to see him back with the organization in 2022, but at least play him. I don't know. I don't think it's going to benefit his future at all being in St. Paul.
0: Yeah. And just quickly on Simmons, you're right. And I should have mentioned him again. Like, as I said, he's a good, great defensive player. Great. Not good. Great. But he just has no value. Uh, to a losing team. So like if you want to keep him there for his veteran presence and play him twice a week, that's fine. But I just, I, I don't understand. Like Nick, Nick Gordon, there's so much more value in Nick Gordon getting those reps at shortstop than Andrelton Simmons, who you're probably not going to re-sign in the offseason. You know, like, so it's nothing against Simmons or Cave or any of those guys. I just think from an evaluation standpoint, it makes way more sense to, to have Gordon in there.
1: Uh, Two things here before we wrap. Number one, what was your uh, overall takeaway from uh, the series with the Astros? I mean, you could seriously make a case it was their best series of the year, even even in the last part of it.
0: I think it probably was their best series of the year. Like they went they went into Houston and took three out of four against a really good team. Uh, You know, I know that Houston had had that uh, dramatic series with the Dodgers, and they got in at like around six a.m. and had to play the Twins that night. So, like, I, I get maybe there was a little bit of a hangover effect for that first game. But, you know, I mean, the offense looks good. Garver and Jeffers are both are both raking. Obviously, we've talked about Polanco. Alex Colomay. Can you imagine, like, if if you had seen back in March, like, Twins take three out of four, uh, you know, at Houston, and Alex Colome is, like, locking down saves. You'd be like, all right, the season is yeah. going exactly as planned. <laughs> <laughs> um so it's, it was a nice series win. It's just unfortunately it, it just doesn't mean anything, you know. Right. So like it was fun to watch, I guess. And like it's it's you know I don't, I don't have any sympathy for for the Astros, you know. Like I I, I don't mind watching them lose, you know. Uh, but like it just from a Twins perspective, it just doesn't it doesn't mean anything. It just doesn't matter. But a nice series win for sure. Uh,
1: you, you brought this up in the prep notes too, um, because. The Twins are going to have to find some pitching. There's some free agents out there. I'm sure they'll make a contract offer, and they'll probably sign at least one free agent back-end guy. But you, you also mentioned, well, maybe they can make a trade. Maybe they'll actually end up making trades to pursue that route as well. And, and you asked which positions make the most sense to me. Um, the two guys who you just said, I, I would be shocked if one of, them, one of those two are back, and Mitch Garber, Ryan Jeffers. I think one of those two can be moved for something that you want to get back in return. Uh, two reasons for that. Number one, Mitch Garver, obviously, in 2019, was a damn good player. Um, he had probably the most unfortunate injury, and one injury I never want to experience of all time that happened to him earlier this year. Um, but he has bounced back this season, at least has more power. He like My thing with catchers is, all right, they're, they're never going to be really like great offensively, and the ones that are are once-in-generation players, Joe Maurer, Buster Posey, Pudge Rodriguez, et cetera. But if he can either go out there and have power, and be that guy and be a big bopper behind the plate, which Mitch Garver is. He's slugging 528 this season, but he has no batting average, basically. Um, or can you just be that classic, I'm not going to provide any good offense, but I'll be a good defensive stalwart, and those guys are around everywhere in Major League Baseball. I know it'd be kind of a little risky, more punting, I think, with Jeffers, just considering he has a little bit more upside and he's younger, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if they moved on from one of those two guys, and I would, I would be surprised if both of them are the battery mates in op- on the opening day roster in 2022. I'm not sure what you think and other uh, also what positions that they could move to get that starting pitching.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. I hadn't thought about moving either of those guys just because they're both uh, fairly young, controllable. You know, Jeffers is years away from arbitration. Garver's in arbitration right now, but yeah, I mean, you know, you could get a lot back uh, for, for one of those two guys because again, they're young and inexpensive, Garver's not that young, but relatively young and inexpensive and both offensively profiled really, really strongly. Uh, they're putting up good numbers this year and obviously catching is a, a premium position. That's a possibility, yeah. I, I I hadn't thought about that, but, but yeah, given the depth there, maybe it does make sense to move one of those guys for a starter. I, I think other names that make sense, we've talked – I mean, you talked initially about Max Kepler, and I still think that makes a ton of sense to move him given – just the plethora of corner outfield options that they have with Kirilov uh, and Larnick and, and Rooker to some extent and, and some of these other guys. Um, so I, I think they can move him. I mean, I think unfortunately moving Byron Buxton is still a possibility. I, I would really hate that. I, I think they should keep him and try to sign him to an extension, but he, if you, if you want to get impact starting pitching back, he would get you the most. Um, so, so I think he would make sense. Other guys, I mean, you know, they might try to move Sano. I know Sano's on a hot streak right now, or semi-hot streak. I don't think they would get enough for him. So I think if you really want to get impact pitching, I think you're looking at moving Buxton, Kepler, or, like you said, maybe maybe Jeffers or or Garver. Other, you know, most of the other guys, other than Polanco, I don't know, I don't know how much value they have, um, mm-hmm. to, you know, to to a trading team. So. um so I mean, I would have to think more about it, but I, I like your idea. I like your idea of moving one of those two guys and, and handing over the the everyday spot to, to, you know, the one that remains. So, um, and just real quick, did you see what, what Luis Hill, uh did over the weekend and and, yes. and how well he's doing? My God. Um, yeah. So, I mean, they traded, the Twins traded Luis Heal back in 2018 for Jake Cave. Uh, and back then he was like in like rookie ball. But he is dominating right now for the for the Yankees. Uh starting pitcher, fastball in the mid to upper nineties. He's pitched uh eleven scoreless innings, has fourteen strikeouts. I mean, he looks like the real deal, man. You know, this is this is a guy who's still young. He's he's on prospect rankings. And it's it's honestly, you know, we've hit this front office a lot all season on this podcast. It's looking like another really bad trade there. Uh giving up yeah. Luis Heel. I know it was, you know, he was in rookie ball. I know that he had a long ways to go, but giving him up for Jake Cave, uh, it's not looking good. It's it's kind of similar to to Wasgary uh, in Atlanta, another young starter who they who they gave up, who uh, who's looking really good. And you know, you just kind of add that to the list of guys like you know Ryan Presley, Lamont Wade, Akil Badu, Nick Anderson, Tyler Wells, e- even guys like Zach Vettel, um, Annabelle Sanchez. Back in 2018, they had and let go, and then he was amazing for that are very good for, for the Braves and the nationals. Uh, the the list is pretty long in terms of guys they've given up on that are now succeeding around the league. And unfortunately, uh, for the twins, fortunately for Luis heel, uh, he appears to, uh, to be on track to, to, have a really strong career the meadows at mystic lake has modified its golf policies to follow the covid 19 public health recommendations and welcomes you to play this award-winning public golf course it offers a unique challenging and scenic golf experience the meadows at mystic lake is a full service golfing destination enhanced by nearby food and entertainment including the meadows bar and grill and mystic lake casino hotel it's never too early to book a tee time or shop the pro shop. Stop in or visit GolfTheMeadows.com. That's GolfTheMeadows.com. Owned and operated by Shakopee Midwakanton Sioux Community.
1: Uh, one last thing before we wrap. Uh, you know, you mentioned your guy Lamont Wade Jr. And he has been awesome for the most, one of the biggest, probably the biggest surprise in baseball season. The first place, San Francisco Giants. Everyone thought Dodgers, Padres, will be a slugfest. Now there's a chance that two of those teams, or at least one of those two teams, obviously won't be part of the postseason fold after the wild card game. Um, how are the Giants doing this, by the way? Like, their their lineup is good. I know, like, Buster Posey has quietly had another, like, very, very strong season. Um, but I have no idea how this San Francisco Giants team... It's one thing of them always be flirting around 500, and, and, you know, maybe they'll hit a wall. The Red Sox kind of are looking like that team that they outperformed some preseason projections, but they're clearly not as good as their record indicated before the All-Star break. But this giant, like you're 30 games over 500. That's like, that is not a fluke. And I I obviously have not watched a ton of San Francisco Giants baseball this season. But I, I, for the life of me, just even looking at their roster and and their baseball reference page, I have no idea this this team, as currently constructed, is 30 games over 500 has the best record in baseball.
0: I don't either. And not only are they 30 games over 500, they're 30 games over 500 in the NL West. Right. I mean, yeah. they're playing 19 games a season against the Dodgers and Padres. So like that's stiff competition uh, for them to, to, to be in first place basically since I think like may um, is really impressive. I don't, uh, I, I would have to dig in deeper like you. I don't watch a ton of giants games. I mean, they're on the West coast. I'm out here on the East coast. Their games don't start until like 10 o'clock for me, but like, I mean, to be honest, Lamont Wade's been a big part of it. You know, uh, he, he you know he always seems to be coming up with clutch hits. His numbers are really good. Zach Lattell is a part of that bullpen. Um, but like you said, Buster Posey's having a phenomenal year. I, I think they are – I don't know what their run differential is. I'm guessing they're outperforming their run differential at least a little bit. But uh, they're a very strong team. I wouldn't be surprised if ultimately the Dodgers overtake them and win that NL West because I think they're the most right. talented. But what's going to be really interesting in the playoffs is assuming those three teams all make it, two of them will play each other in the wild card game. And the winner of that, uh, assuming that, that the, the winner of that division has the best record in the NL, which is very likely, the winner of the wild card game would then face the NL West champion. So you could potentially have a scenario where like the Dodgers and Padres are playing each other in a one game playoff. And then the winner has to immediately go and play the Giants, you know. So it's going to be like an, a little NL West mini tournament in the National League playoffs, and that'll be super fun to watch because all three of those teams are really good. But yeah, the Giants—I did not see this coming with them, uh, and, and you know they have a really smart front office. They've done really well in a couple of trades with the Twins, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, good for them. I hope they can they can keep it up. I mean, I think a, a playoff berth is is pretty much assured for them because uh, there aren't many. Wild card contenders other than the Reds uh, in the National League, but yeah, if they can if they can somehow win that NL West with the with the uh, Padres and Dodgers in there, that would be phenomenal. So they'll be a really fun team to watch in October for sure.
1: Awesome, dude. Uh, anything? Last thoughts? Anything? I don't think
0: any last thoughts right now. Um, I thought next week maybe we could go over so, so some more of these prospects. Maybe we could give like our yeah. top ten prospects because there are a lot of interesting names. Joe Ryan pitched really mm-hmm. well. Your guy, your guy, Joe Ryan. I know you're excited to watch him in St. Paul. Yeah. He pitched really well in the Olympics. Uh, he, he threw, I think, like four and two-thirds innings against South uh, Korea in the semifinals. He had a good start against Israel earlier in the tournament. So he looked good. Uh, Woods Richardson was on that team as well. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we could go over some prospects because I think that's going to be, you know, more interesting to follow in a lot of ways than, uh, than the, the actual big league team. Um, so we'll go over that next week. But, yeah, um, you know, good series win against, against uh, Houston. It'll be fun to at least see them play. They're going to play some interesting teams coming up in August. Yeah. Like They're playing the White Sox and the, and the Red Sox and, and the Yankees and, and the Rays. Nelson Cruz will be coming back to Target Field. So at least they'll have some fun games uh, coming up here in the next few weeks.
1: Yeah, man. I am excited. I actually think I might actually get out to Target Field uh, as a fan or maybe even use a, use my power and watch a game for free and with a credential. But yes, it, it should be at least a, a good next uh, homestand for the Twins. For Jake DePue, I'm Declan Goff. This has been Talking Twins. We will talk to you guys next Monday.